When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Roger Rockman back in the chair. And this week, it's all about the rule of four. All four people on the podcast were at Wembley for the League Cup final. I think that works out about 4% of the population uh, are here for your delight. Um, Myself and all three of them. um, To see Manchester City win the League Cup for the fourth successive year. See what I did there? It's all about fours. Uh, Americ Laporte, of course, should have been booked four times in the first four minutes, according to the commentary team, I believe. Um, but all our thoughts, I think, seriously, should be with poor Harry Kane, who underwent uh, ankle surgery this afternoon uh, for that vicious attack um, from Ruben Diaz. Um, and we really wish him well. I'm sure all my guests would wish Harry Kane well and, and a speedy recovery from what must have been a horrendous injury. Uh, welcome to all three. Fresh from their trip from Wembley, uh, Stato Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. Great to be here, Nigel. Uh, a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Broadcaster, journalist, and all-round good egg. Welcome also to John Stapleton. Hi, John. I'm flattered. Thank you very much, Nigel. Good to see you again. Listen, let, let's just talk about the Wembley experience and actually going to a football match. Um, can I start there with you first, John? Just, just, just how was it for you actually going to the ground? Um, being in the ground with other fans watching football live. What was the experience like for you? Well, it was fantastic being there and, and uh, seeing all my mates again and, uh, you know, enjoying the, a real atmosphere once again. A hell of a lot of palaver to get there, wasn't it? I, I took them up there and did the PCR test. I'll do another one in a couple of days' time. And I did obviously did the lateral flow test as well to get there. Um, and I did actually wonder, and I don't know why I'm being naive about this, but... Given that everyone who went in that stadium had to have the lateral flow test and be proved negative, i.e. did not have COVID, what was the experiment actually proving? No one in that stadium has COVID. So 
Why do we all have to lateral flutters? And like, the likes of me have already, because I'm an ancient old mariner, I've had two jabs already. What, what's the point of the jabs if they don't allow you to get into a stadium? Anyway, so it's, a, it's perhaps a minor point, but it was a fantastic afternoon. Great display by City. I loved every every minute of it. I was very frustrated by our missed chances, particularly those of Raheem, who played better, but God, how many chances did he squander? Um, yeah, it was, it was a frustrating afternoon in that sense, but great to see them win again. Great to see them in the flesh and great to be amongst all our own mates. Pity there weren't more pies. <laughs> Paul, enough pies for you yesterday? It would have been if I'd been eating the pies, yes. Uh, but it was a, it was a good uh, atmosphere. I thought the 2,000 City fans uh, made a great atmosphere for the game. It was wonderful to be at a live game for the first time in a, over a year. My last live, league, uh, last live match was actually the Carabao Cup final a year ago when we beat Villa. So here we go. It's a sort of uh, great to come back to uh, that final. Hopefully get to one more this season if it's possible for the home match at the end of the season but it, I just hope this is the beginning of moving back to some degree of normality for football as well as the rest of society that we can get to these games and do what we would love doing But it wasn't quite the same was it Stephen you, you, the number of times we've been at Wembley Way where it's been mobbed with people there were more stewards and police and press on Wembley Way than there were than fans yesterday Yeah it was really odd I, um, I'll be honest I like Paul the, the Carabao Cup final last year was my last live game. And I, d- I didn't really know what to expect or, or hope from it. John I think, called it a palaver, which is right. PCR, lateral flow to get there, masks on at the ground, socially distanced, even though, you know, everyone's in the same boat when you're there. People weren't necessarily sticking to the seats they'd been given. It, it felt really odd in some ways. You've got a stadium of 90,000 and the whole stand opposite us from where we were sat as City fans was empty. The Spurs fans were so far away you couldn't hear them singing if they were. And yet at the same time, it it did feel quite normal and quite nice. And when fans started singing, it was just like there were 40,000 City fans there and everyone was you know united behind the players and singing and, and just the atmosphere was really good. It as you say, it was different. It was it was quite odd. And in some ways, I'll be honest, not very enjoyable and in other ways, really normal and quite enjoyable. And I'd be interested to do it again. But yeah, hopefully the start of, of more and more fans going back. And what about the team, John, when you heard it? Because obviously we'll come on to Wednesday in Paris. Uh, certainly from, from my point of view, I wasn't expecting to see KDB, certainly not to start. Um, and it was a pretty strong lineup. So uh, I was delighted when I saw that. I was very surprised, to be honest with you, because like everyone else, I imagine he'd leave Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne uh, on the bench and, sa- and save him for next Wednesday. And I thought, and I did say to Simon, or, uh, Simon Callner, I went with, you know, is, it, is this wise? You know, I mean, what if he gets a knock, you know? Uh, but he didn't, thankfully. He, play, he played blind uh, as usual. I mean, Pep just never fails to, to surprise us, does it? I mean, give him credit where credit's due. And a lot of people sort of downplay the Carabao Cup. He takes it seriously, you know, very seriously indeed. And that was confirmation of that, if ever, if, if ever you needed it. I mean, a really strong lineup. Uh, against, you know, potentially uh, our bogey team. You know, they've done us so often, haven't they, in the past, not least uh, uh, in, in the home game this year when, you know, they had two shots on target and scored two goals at, at uh, what used to be called White Hart Lane. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think fantastic in a good strategy. And I see Gary Neville, Gary Neville is saying today that he's possibly the greatest manager of all time. And uh, I'm not going to argue with that. Well, Gary Neville's the best manager of all time. That's no, Gary Neville's... Sure, sure. <laughs> you, get what I, you get my drift. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
Paul, your, your thoughts on the team? And I, I saw you before the game, and uh, um, I know what your reaction is, but just just share it with us. Well, like John said a moment ago, surprised at the strength of it uh, with De Bruyne playing the full. Uh, nine, almost 90 minutes. He was taken off about 85, 86 minutes, I think it was. Uh, so, yeah, a bit risky, but we did the job. Um, hopefully these players are fit enough to play on Wednesday because we'll need the majority of those players as our, inverted commas, first 11 to get going. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't take De Bruyne off him earlier in that he faded a bit in the second half, I thought. He had a brilliant first half, but wasn't quite the same in the second half. And Bernardo was as good a replacement. He could have brought him on earlier. Um, so, yeah, surprised at the strength of the team, but it did the job. And you look back at the Chelsea game the week before and think, well, why didn't he play a similar team then? But that's life. We got on with it and um, move on. But it could bite us in the bum, Stephen, I suppose, couldn't it? Could, could we be there on Wednesday night? I know it's all speculation, but playing all that, that a lot of that first 11, as Paul puts it, um, a, you know, flight to Paris, you know, tired on the Wembley pitch and all that stuff, it... it it was a high-risk strategy, but again, it was a cup final. Where, where, where do you sit on that one? Yeah, I think it was the right call to play your, your strong team in a cup final. Otherwise, there's almost no point in getting there if you're then going to play your second string against, you know, obviously Spurs weren't very effective on the day, but they can be a decent team. And whether Pep's mind had been influenced by actually how poor our second choice have been in uh, the games against Chelsea and Leeds. I think what will happen, we saw the strong team at the weekend, we'll play obviously our strongest team against PSG. The team that plays against Palace at the weekend will not be the strongest 11. Give them the week off and then you'll play them against PSG in the second leg. Um, there's some players, I think with De Bruyne, I was really surprised that he started, but he is one that, probably takes a game or two after injury to get back to his best and maybe Pep's thinking was get 90 minutes or 80 minutes out of him give him that fitness and he'll be better for it in midweek against PSG I'd imagine you know, I'm sure we'll go on to discuss selection there'll be two or three changes but um, we saw actually the last couple of games as we touched on Chelsea Leeds when he changed so many of the squad it's really hard to get that rhythm and all these players like Sterling who, you know, weren't brilliant yesterday but tried hard. As soon as you have him and Jesus and Torres as your front three and they're all in that same boat, that's when we look a bit toothless. So, no, I'm pleased he went strong yesterday. We've got the trophy and we've got confidence ahead of a big midweek game. John, you must have thought, though, at, I don't know, half-time, maybe 20 minutes into the second half, it could easily be one of those days where we have so many chances, we, uh, we don't, we're not great in the final third, we don't take those opportunities, and it just takes one break away, and suddenly we've, lo- we've lost the Carabao Cup. You must have felt like that, I'm sure, during the game. That's exactly what Sam and I said to each other, and, and Simon received tweets from a number of people saying, I've got a terrible feeling my guts are going to break away and score. Everyone must have been thinking that, of course, because in the second half particularly, they came out stronger than they, they ever played in the first half. In the first half, they were barely in our half at all, were they? Uh, no, in the second half, there was every possibility of that happening until the Laporte goal. But of course, he shouldn't have been on the pitch, should he? Um, yeah, no, he shouldn't. You're right, John. Uh, uh, we'll get onto that in a minute, I'm sure. No, I, I, I felt that um, I, I felt that there was uh, that was always a possibility. One of the one of the great strengths of this city team, I think, has emerged in at least 95 percent of the games. They don't panic in these circumstances. You know, they they get on with it. They're very very solid indeed at the back in, in particular, and. 
Although we all, because we have city itis every match, you know, three 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 and eleven, we're still panicking with ten minutes to go. Although we have city itis, you know, we, we ought to we ought to get over that because this team's better than that. Well, let's 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 do the Laporte thing now. I mean, you've raised it, and I I made a bit of a joke about it at the beginning. I mean, I like all of us, I was there for the the whole ninety minutes, came home and, and and watched the recording, of course, last night as well as we all did, which is why I heard this ridiculous commentary here. Um, so, so, so your first thoughts then, Stato, on, on this. You kick, kick us off on this, on the Laporte situation. I mean, two bookable offences shouldn't have been on the pitch, Stato. Well, you're right. There were two bookable offences. And had he had the first one, the theory, we just don't know. Would he have held back for the second one? Nobody can answer that question because it's purely hypothetical. Um, I thought Tierney had a poor game as the referee. Said, but in his defence, he didn't book Regulon for the first tackle that he committed, foul tackle on Foden. Then a few minutes later, he did De Bruyne and booked him for a second offence and pointed out that it was a second offence to everybody. So he made it clear why he was booking him. He might have let Laporte go. It probably was a bookable offence, the first one, but he let it go but booked him on the second one. The Spurs players surrounding him, four of them right round him all the time. And four. he had to. Four again. Four again. Of course there were four. Yeah, four yeah. for everything. Yeah. Um, he had to call Loris over at one point to, to, as a captain, tell them to calm his players down to stop surrounding him as a referee. So he had a poor game, but he did some right things in that match as well. Terrible decision on the wonderful tackle by Diaz on Kane. Absolutely abysmal, but um, that's life. Um, now, Laporte was two bookable offences. He only got booked once. That's life. Get on with it. Get on with it. And Stephen, you've always got a view about referees, I know. You're, you're, you're an authority on the subject. So uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I'm, re- I'm ready to, to, to receive. Well, you're the qualified referee amongst us, Nigel. Um, I, I really don't want to go Arsene Wenger on this, but I got home and I haven't watched the replay and I didn't have you know the best view of it live. So I genuinely don't know if he, it should have been a booking, if it wasn't, if if you and Paul seem to think it should have been. I'm, I can go with that. But, you know, he's experienced enough Laporte that... And he is one of these players that does have his hot-headed moments. Um, and you know, the odd game when he's not good, he's actually quite poor and got a mistake in him. But as Paul says, if if he had been booked, he would have had the sense not to make such a an obvious yellow card events for the second challenge. So, yeah, I don't think Tierney was brilliant. I wouldn't think of him as one of the best refs we've got um, in the country at the moment. But I'm not sure any Spurs fan genuinely could put the defeat down to the referee. Um, we were so far superior to them they did nothing really to try and hurt us. So, yeah, maybe it could have gone the other way on that incident, but I don't think that was the defining feature in the game. And it's, it's his first major cup final, of course, Mr Tierney as well. So uh, I'm sure you know, referees get nerves and so on, just like players do, I'm sure. Uh, John, you may have something to add, I don't know, but if not, I'm very happy to hear what you have to say about that particular incident. But I'm keen to also talk about the, the, the Kane uh, situation as well with that challenge that we talked about. But, uh... well, my, uh, just a quick comment on that. I didn't hear the commentary you're talking about, but I was reading today about people saying, City fans saying, you know, why, why is the press always always so negative about Manchester City, you know, claiming that uh, Laporte should have been sent off? At the risk of sounding controversial, I think some City fans occasionally get a little bit overwrought about commentary. You know, it was a perfect legitimate talking point for the press to raise. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Perfect legitimate. Had that happened to another player from an opposing team, we would have had the same conversation, you know, should he have been on the pitch? I mean, no doubt about it whatsoever. And I just think sometimes City fans get a little bit 
oversensitive and a little bit, dare I use the word, paranoid about the press because I don't think, you know, they're as bad as they're painted with regards to Manchester City. There are instances, of course, there are examples of bias against Manchester City in the media. I know there are. No question about that whatsoever. But I don't think it's as bad as, as, as people describe. And I think that's a particular instance, a particular example of it, quite frankly. Um, what about the Harry Kane situation then? An England captain, uh, a potential City striker, of course, is, which is an interesting thought. You know, would you would you want to? Make, what reaction would we get? Would he get if he arrived at City following um, cheating? Could you well, say it was? Cheating. He went down as if he'd been shot. Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, in a, any replay of that incident shows you that it was the, the, his reaction was completely unjustified. And to be absolutely honest with you, I don't particularly want him at Manchester City, not because of that or for any other reason, but, well, for, for the simple reason that, A, you think he's 27 years old, B, he seems to be injury-prone, and I think there are better options. So uh, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, if he comes, he comes, but it wouldn't be my first choice, put it that way. Nothing personal against the guy. I mean, why should I have? But, you know, I I don't think, I don't think he's, the, he's, the, he's the number one choice for Man City in the circumstances we're in right now. Any thoughts on Kane Stato? It really depends on the price that they're going to uh, look for to buy him uh, or sell him. Uh, because if uh, if our options are him or Haaland, uh, and one comes at, uh, let's make numbers up just to prove a point. We'll have a four in it somewhere, Paul, I think. Yeah, well, say, say Haaland's 140 million and Kane is 40 million. Good. Then, then good Kane work. is better value for money. I like your uh, work. So it's got to be value for money. Kane is older, as John said. He is injury prone. He does miss a few matches seasons, not quite as many as Aguero has been missing recently. Uh, but he has proven in the Premier League. I still think he's probably got five seasons or so left in him at top level. Um, he is a great finisher. His link play this season for Tottenham has been good in a relatively poor team, albeit it's been mainly with Son, who is their only other top class player. Um, I wouldn't say no to Kane, but the price has to be right. And I wouldn't be paying probably what Levy would probably want for somebody like Kane. So the, we've got to look at options and price and look at it that way. Just You've just prompted a thought, and, and it's a genuine question. Do, do we know why Son was so upset? I mean, is, is that that come out? I mean, it, it's a cup final. They weren't favourites. Um, City dominated throughout. It wasn't a huge surprise. To, I, I, it was a genuine question because he clearly was quite distressed at the end, and it was really good to see a couple, three, I think, City players go over and console him and so on. Anybody got a view on that? I've not seen anything or heard anything. What Was there a particular reason for that? Because he seemed particularly distressed. No. He did. He did seem distressed, but I've not read anything in no. today's press about why. No, sure. And it was good to see the city players go over and do mm. that. And um, so, um, Stephen uh, Kane, do you have a view on Kane as well? Would you like to see him in a sky blue shirt? Kane would be as close, I think, to a guarantee of someone who could come in next season and be our main striker and score twenty twenty five across the year. Um, the the amount of chances we would create for him, who is a naturally, I think, very good finisher, he'd love it. He'd absolutely relish the chance of linking up with the players that we've got in that final third, De Bruyne whipping the crosses in, as opposed to the role that he does at Spurs, which is he's got to create everything, that's him and Son, but he's got to create everything, he's got to score everything, work tirelessly, be their leader. With us, he could just come in, play up front, link up play, score. And... It's almost probably what Pep had with Lewandowski at Bayern, that slightly taller striker who people go, oh, that's not Pep's system, it's not his style. It is. If that striker is good enough to score 25 a season, it is Pep's player. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't maybe, I don't think he's that injury prone. If you think the amount of games he plays as a striker on his own for, for Spurs in England, I think he could come in and do really, really well for maybe three years for us. Haaland you look at and think he could be the one who can come in and do really well for 10 years for us. Um, but in the short term, it's maybe you'd, you'd have to give him a year to adapt and learn Pep's system. So I, I'd be really happy with Kane. I'd just get the sense that well, you, we know that Daniel Levy won't um, allow him to come on the cheap because they're not a Champions League club or you know City are poaching him. He would cost a huge amount. And maybe for the amount you'd spend on Kane, you could get Haaland instead or Mbappe or someone at that level with you know, potential for, for years and years. Who stood out for you, particularly on the day, John? Who were the who were the stars? You think? Uh, I don't think many people had a poor game actually, are they? Did they? I think I think most well, of them performed reasonably well. You're echoing my thoughts to my the guy the guy I went with was just Simon Kellner. We said exactly that towards the end of the game. Who's your man of the match? Well, no one had a bad game. I mean, Raheem played much better than he has done in the past. I, I've said what I've got to say about Raheem. Um, Mares was man of the match, and I think probably rightly so. But it was, it, only just. I mean. Cancelo could have been, you know, I, you know, I think Gundayan could could have been. Uh, what Diaz as ever was fantastic. Laporte got the winning goal. You know, you could, it's, it, you, the roll call could go on and on and on. Uh, it was a very solid team performance, and that that's what encouraged me about Paris, which we'll come to in in, in just a minute. No, Mara's um, got it by, by a whisker, I suspect, and I think it's probably the right judgment. Um, it, I say it quite often, and I'm just going to say it again because I have different people on the show. Um, over the weeks, and I, I just, I just, his first touch is unbelievable. Stunning, stunning. And I don't it's a think, joke. And I, you know, John, you and I particularly, everyone, Paul, you know, Stephen, you don't have to be part of this conversation. You, you young, fresh-faced thing. But us three have seen a few footballers at Manchester mm. City, or indeed across the globe, for many, many years. I don't think I've ever seen a footballer receive a ball, and it doesn't matter how it's pinged to him or where it's pinged to him, he, his first touch is absolutely impeccable. He's immediately under control. It's immediately under control, no matter where it comes from, over his head, from the left, from the right, from in front. It's absolutely stunning. You're quite right. It is brilliant. He, to me, is number one in the world at controlling <laughs> the ball first time. Uh, left foot and right foot as well. He pulled one down with his right foot yesterday, killed it instantly, and it gives him a an advantage over the defender because if he can kill it so instantly, it can be on the move before the defender can even think what he's going to do. Brilliant. He almost he almost controls it more often than not with the outside of his left foot, which no, nobody else does. They'll, you know, even someone like Bernardo or Foden who've got a brilliant first touch will bring it down and in step or on their knee and then go from there. Mares, it must enable him to go either way and, and beat the man as he's getting the ball under control. It's just, he kills it dead every single time. You'd think, you'd, sorry, I was just going to say, you'd think that maybe with him in the squad as a City player, he could try and teach it to Sterling. I'm not having a go at Sterling. His first touch, though, is nowhere near the level that it should be for an England-class international. And we'd love to think that somebody just pulls Sterling to one side and said, this is how you control the ball when it's hit at you. He's got other skills, though, hasn't he, to be fair? Oh, he's, got, yeah. he's got stuff in his locker that Mahrez doesn't have. So uh, I'm not, I'm not going to have a... A no. Sterling look, and I know you. I know that's not where you're going either. No, that's fine. No. Um, so, any anybody have a particularly bad game for you? We haven't we haven't particularly mentioned Foden in, in our list of, of of people having a good game. I mean, he's a young man, age twenty. This is his fourth League Cup medal. 
um, he just gets stronger and stronger and, and the influence he's now having on games as well. He's a young man who can come in and change again. I know, I know he, he was on from the start. I'm just talking more generally about Foden and, and the, the, the maturity and the way he has grown in stature it, 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 over the last sort of 12 months is quite incredible, isn't it? It's, it feels really glib to say it, but he's one of the first names on the team sheet now, which a 20-year-old playing for a team who... You know, could win three trophies and another one of the best in the world. Like it, it, you shouldn't be <laughs> nailed on to start in the first team at that age. But and people talk he's the future. He can do this. He's the present. Like we look to him at the minute to, to as you say, Nigel, to change a game, to just inject that kind of energy at times. And and we know that Pep has spoken to him or spoken to the press about sometimes just reining it in and passing it and having that control instead of always being at 100% wanting to make things happen. But he's just brilliant. He's got everything. He links up with the, the passers and the, the kind of control that we have. He's quite quick. I don't think he's expressed like Sterling or Walker, but he's quick. His ball control is brilliant. He just wants to be involved and score and is an absolute treat for us to watch. I love the comment earlier in the week, uh, Nigel, from Pep, quoted in one of the papers I read, saying that... Uh, Foden is be- becoming a serious player. He's a bloody <laughs> genius. <laughs> I, well, there was a comment before kickoff. I was with uh, with Stato and, and his two boys, who are also Mad City fans as well, and and they were talking and they were saying, John, and, and I'm coming to you because you, you've been watching football slightly longer than than, than, than the rest of us, uh, that he is the best. And, and Paul, forget me, forget the wording quite slightly wrong in fact you, you tell us what the wording was the the best English footballer that they've seen at that age or something what was, what was the quote from your lads yeah I think that was the quote he's the best English footballer of that age that they've ever seen is that would, would you agree with that John you, you say you've seen a few footballers in your time is he is he that good I, mean, I, I can't I can't think of anyone of that age in my experience and in my Fading, fading memory. Uh, who comes anywhere close to Phil Foden? To be honest with you, uh, of any nationality. To be honest with you, um, you know, Colin Colin Bell was older, wasn't he, when he came to us from Bury, uh, and, and he was a, and he was a, he was a genius. Uh, likewise, Somerby, likewise Bell. They're all they're all older. Um, no, I'm, I, he's he's a he's a one off, and you know, Pep Pep is. You know, he's very complimentary about his team and he supports his team very, uh, at, at every opportunity. But he has made, you know, he's been very careful with this lad. And, he's, and I think he's, he's managed him very well, not rushed him into the team, waited until he thought he was, as you say, be- becoming a serious player, which is a quote I love. And, and by God, has it paid off. I mean, I suppose the other one, not a City player, people sometimes talk about Gaza um, at that yeah. age. Well, I didn't see that much of him because I was at, at Main Road. <laughs> Quite right, too. Naturally. Of course. Yeah, well, when you saw Gazza on television, which is the only time I ever saw him, other than when he pl- came to Main Road, yeah, he was a he was a precocious talent. I'm not sure he was a, as precocious as Foden at that age. And if you were to spread it out and say, from a worldwide perspective, you then would say, can Foden develop to be one of the best all-time players in the world, a la Messi, Cruyff? He's got that potential. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Whether he does or not, Time will tell, but I think he he certainly could get there if he's lucky with injuries and continues his development. The, I think the interesting thing is how, where Pep plays in, because as fans we probably thought as he was, you know, you hear snippets of the young players coming through. Well, I thought you know he's a central midfielder, maybe an attacking midfielder, played where 
De Bruyne or David Silva plays. But actually, Pep really likes him in that front three. I know he played a bit kind of a false nine at times in the final. But playing on the wing, because his first thought is go forward, get a shot away, get a cross away, make something happen. He actually is involved a lot more in that final third than maybe a David Silva who just passed and gave us our rhythm and tempo and you know played the ball out to the wing and then the cross came in. Foden's either the one playing that cross or he's on the end of the cross. So he's going to get so many goals and assists in his time. Um, he's, he's just a dream. I'm sure he's a dream to manage and a dream to play alongside. He's, he's a dream to watch. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Let me move on to someone else who's maybe at the other end of his career. Um, it was great to see him, the fans' favourite. Nice to see him parading the, the cup with a smile on his face. Took a bit of a low profile, I saw, and was kind of a bit more in the background. A substitute didn't come on. Uh, will Sergio Aguero ever play for Manchester City again, Stato? We've got to hope so. Subject to injuries, let's just think <laughs> that when we only need five points realistically to wrap up the title from five games. So you've got to think we can get that differential in two or three games maximum. Therefore, let's give. Sergio, the send-off as best we can and give him that at least a couple of appearances and certainly that last match of the season at the Etihad in front of if it's 10,000 fans are allowing into the ground that will be a fantastic way to go out get him on the pitch get us a penalty get him a goal get him something no, don't do a Stuart Pierce as he did in his last match for City when blast it over the bar uh, but let, let him take the penalty let him score a goal let Everton give us a goal to, for Aguero to score in that last match but yeah I'd love to see him play at least one more time for us that would be special, John, wouldn't it? That would be the that would be the perfect sort of farewell, wouldn't it? Oh, but astonishing, and he deserves it. You know, I was slightly puzzled yesterday. I, I think I'm right in saying this that because uh, we got there very early, as I, I often do. When in fact, when City played Celtic, uh, Simon and I got there before the gatekeepers arrived. That's how how cautious I am about missing the first few minutes. But yeah, we got there early. I was watching the warm, and I don't think Aguero took part in the warm up. And he just sort of sauntered onto the on, on, into the stadium and sat down with the rest of his mates and, and watched the game. He warmed up a bit as the game went on, uh, and I just wondered. I wondered whether they included him just so he could get a medal. You know, I wondered if there was perhaps never any intention of him playing uh, at all yesterday. I sincerely hope he gets a game or two. And, and I've been slightly mystified by the continual injuries and well, COVID was obviously something he couldn't avoid. Them. But yeah, it would be absolutely one. I'm, I'm sure they will. I'm sure that. You know, come Brighton uh, away or Everton uh, and or Everton at home, uh, Pep will find it in his heart to, his uh, is not only to get him on for at least a few minutes and uh, give, give the guy the send-off he richly deserves. 
Well, we've moved on to the league quite nicely. I think Leeds United does a bit of a favour at the weekend now with a nil-nil against Stratford. So, as we now know, if we beat Palace and Liverpool beat Stratford, it's it's our title. Um, three in four years, um, which is, you know, along with the four um, League Cups and, and everything else that goes with it, what, what a phenomenal performance. And, I mean, it, it, it's a done deal now, isn't it, Stephen? Even, even you, with your pessimistic cityitis, as John calls it, even with cityitis, it's, it, it's now a done deal, isn't it? We can, we can get the champagne on ice, surely. Yeah, I, I'd say I'm realistic, not pessimistic necessarily. It's, it's a done deal. United are not going to win their last five games. I don't think we will either because of our involvement in other competitions. Um, and as we said before, I, I think we'll play a, a very changed 11 against Palace. Maybe that's a chance for Aguero to, to get a game. Um, I, I think the most... We know Pep speaks about it a lot, how important the Premier League is. That's the true test of the team, week in, week out, for, for nine months of the year. To bounce back after last season when we were so far off Liverpool's pace. Um, and of course, they've dropped off this year because we know how hard it is to maintain that level after kind of that's your goal and you've reached there and of course there's going to be a drop-off. But given where we were in was it November, December time and the draws with West Brom and the, the turnaround since then and just the relentlessness of winning and playing well and in the style that you associate with Pep, no one's been able to live with us. And I think that will make Pep as proud as getting to finals, semi-finals of other competitions because to win three in four years is an astonishing achievement. Um, it really is. Three and how many years, sorry? Four, Nigel. Three and four years. John, uh, Pep Guardiola, I mean, just 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 give us a, your reflections on, on... I mean, it's down to him, isn't it? We've got great players, of course we have, but lots of teams have got great players and we've had great players in the past. Three, three, three Premier League titles in four years. What, what a man. What a manager. The best? Incredible. And, and uh, the thing I think possibly I admire the most is his indefatigable energy you know I mean you watch that guy on the touchline he kicks every ball he's he's thinking about the next move every 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 second and his enthusiasm you know beams through in every interview he ever does I mean some of the pre-match interviews I, I don't know why he even bothers because he's obviously just his mind is completely consumed by the match and his answers are sometimes monosyllabic or non-committal but you can forgive him that but when talking about the game afterwards and what's gone on and what, and what might have gone on, he, he is, his enthusiasm is unbounded. I've never seen anyone like it, actually. And, you know, you've got to take your hats off, hat off to him because, you know, he's, he's come to Manchester and he's, and he's adopted Manchester. Uh, I mean, he apparently loves living there. Uh, and he's become a huge friend of, of the city. You know? And I think there are people on both sides of the Great Divide who, you know, who would have to say, they respect him for what, for what, not just for what he's do, done on the pitch, but for what, how he's represented Manchester City off it, which you might deal with in a few minutes on other issues. <laughs> Indeed, you, you, your thoughts, Paul, on Pep before we move on to other other areas of uh, of discussion. Well, Pep so is a wonderful manager for City. He's been a wonderful manager in the past. He's the first to say that he's been fortunate to be a success because he's been at successful clubs. But the two always marry together. You're not going to have a lousy manager at a good club, and it's very rare that you'd have a good manager at a lousy club. It's going to be both ways around. You're going to get uh, a good manager at a good club. So um, 
he's got the right approach. He's a seems that he comes across a great guy, very positive, knows how to man manage because he doesn't do what certain other managers do when a player is having a bad time, call them out in front of the press. He'll take them to one side and he probably would have words with certain players and say, you can't do that anymore. You've got to change, do this X, Y, Z. It's been wonderful for City and wonderful for the Premier League as well because it's changed the way a lot of other clubs have approached football, playing out from the back, using the ball more wisely. Uh, the high press sometimes as well, which we never used to see in English football. So it's been great. All right, before we move on to uh, Champions League, I do just briefly want to talk about uh, the European Super League, which has kind of come and gone in a very, very short space of time. Uh, John, do do you you want to kick off for us, please, on on your thoughts and reflections uh, about the Super League and and maybe how City's hierarchy handled it and you as a fan, how you felt about it? Well, I thought the Super League was an absolutely bonkers idea uh, and it's hard to escape the conclusion it was driven by nothing other than unadulterated greed uh, on the part of those involved. I thought it was uh, ironically named the Super League when it involved, uh, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham who are, you know, a not so Super League would have been perhaps more appropriate in, in the circumstances, including if you're going to include them. Uh, I, I think City fans or City, people associated with City, as we would, can claim some mitigation in, in that it appears that we were the last to join and the first to leave. I can only put it down to a Friday afternoon aberration. I've met uh, Ferran Serrano uh, a couple of times, and we brought some fans down here, and I, uh, including me, involved in a, a long chat one day uh, discussion. I was very impressed by him. I thought he was a decent chap. I'm a very intelligent man, obviously, very bright businessman, but he knows his football inside out. Uh, and I can only, as I say, I can only think it was a, an aberration on the part of City. Whether some City fans will ever forgive the club for that, I'm not, I don't, I'm not quite sure, actually. I think it was a betrayal of the fans. I think that... Uh, uh, I, I, but I think, in fairness, Fran Serrano's apology was appropriate. I think it was well, 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 well written and appropriate. Uh, but whether they'll ever ultimately forgive them for that, I, I'm not sure. I, ho- I hope they will, because everyone makes mistakes. Certainly, I, I have, and I'm sure most people have in their lives. But that was a big one. There's no question about it. That was a major mistake, which just ignored the fact that Teams like City, you know, have their roots in the local community. I mean, City, like many other teams, you know, formed from a local church, you know, basically. So, so commonplace in, in football. Uh, and they just <laughs> appeared, the people involved seem to have no comprehension of that, no understanding of what football means, not just to the fans who go there every week and stand there in the cold and get wet through and, and eat stale pies, but the what it means to the community as a whole. You know, it's... It's a very important culture aspect of, of British culture. End of story. Uh, who else wants to have a go? I don't know. Stato, do you want to have a go on this one as well? There's not much more I can add. I mean, the total disappointment from the fans' reaction immediately. I was devastated when I heard about it on late Sunday evening. Um, so not much more to add than what John just said. I think it was a bad mistake. Uh, whether Even if they were, in inverted commas, forced into it, I don't know, because they <coughs> had the right to say no. They should have said no. Um, some fans will take a long time to forgive what they did. Some fans do want some heads to roll, but I'm not sure why and what, who they really want to out to the club. They've done some great stuff for the community, the local community in Manchester. So, um, as, as John said, it's a mistake. Let's remember it as a mistake. Don't forget it, but don't make another mistake like that again. Brilliant. All right, let's hope we don't make any mistakes then on Wednesday, Stephen. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain 
in Paris, first leg Champions League semi-final. We have been here before. Uh, it didn't go well, I seem to remember. Uh, your thoughts and reflections uh, ahead of Wednesday? It'll be a real challenge, and that's an obvious thing to say, but what we love in a match is control and having possession, even if you know against a, a team like Leicester or United or Spurs that they're probably happy to sit back and, and hit us on the counter. PSG's front three with Neymar and Bappe, Di Maria is something that we just don't see really in the Premier League, apart from maybe Liverpool if they're at their best. Um, so we, we're not going to have as much of the ball as we probably do domestically. Um, and we've got to be so solid at the back. It's, it's going to be a really good game. It's two excellent teams. Um, obviously, Pochettino will know us and the way that we want to play. Um, but PSG won't have had too many games where they don't boss possession and, and they're not in total control. So we'll, it's a challenge whether we can probably control our nerves in that kind of situation, whether we're susceptible to those five, ten-minute spells where we just lose our heads slightly. We seem to have cut that out this year, and I think Diaz is probably a huge influence or reason for that. Um, for the neutral, it will be a great game. Neither team's going to sit back and defend, are they? So it could be a high-scoring one. Away goals might be key. Um, I think we're all looking forward to it now, aren't we? Looking forward, Sato? Yes and no. Um, yes, because it should be, uh, as Stephen just said, a great game of football. A bit of trepidation there, because if... Um, their front three, particularly Mbappe and Neymar, are right on form. Uh, despite what good defensive record we have this season, we're coming up against world-class players that we don't normally face on a week-in, week-out basis. And these three could um, they could destroy us. I'm hoping that they won't. I'm hoping that it doesn't come to that. It's got the, it, the one thing I'd be very surprised at if it's low scoring. I would expect goals from both teams. Uh, we've just got to make sure that when we take them back to the Etihad, we're still in the tie. Although our away form is probably better than our home form. Well, it is. Matter of fact, we've won, I think, our last 17 away games consecutively. Uh, I think we need to win there. They've got a good away record. They beat Barcelona 4-1 in Barcelona. They beat Bayern 3-2 in Munich. So therefore, we can't think that if we get away with a draw or, or anything less than a draw, that it's um, a great result. I think we've got to go there. I think we need to win. John, how do you expect things to change lineup-wise from from the weekend? I guess the goalkeeper might change. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one for free. Um, yeah. any, any others? What, well, I think I think Bernardo. I think Bernardo's been playing brilliantly, and I've I've, I've put Bernardo in there. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'm afraid I'd, I'd I'd leave Sterling out, uh, and and have Foden on the left, Bernardo in there, Gundogan in there, obviously Kevin De Bruyne. Um, but apart from that, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't make any change. Obviously, Edison in, Edison in goal. Um, I was thinking about it earlier today. I, my befuddled thinking says a one-all draw in Paris. A one-all draw, which would at least keep it exciting, wouldn't it? Well, it's an away goal. We're not behind. Yep. Would, would, would that suit you, Stephen? One-one. Would you take that now? I think Stephen's frozen, maybe. What about you, Stato? You got a 1-1 one, one draw suit you? It would be seen as a good result, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure necessarily that if we took them back to the Etihad at one all, it would be found to be a good result at the end of the day. Uh, therefore, I think we need to, I seriously think we need to go out there, we need to try to win that game. I know they'll want to win it as well. So it's, 
I just it's so difficult to call. If we are at the top of our game, we can win that match. They have got the three great players, and they've got a couple of they're, they're a reasonable team as well. But they're not brilliant. They're not unbeatable. And I think if we can get at them and try and control the game a bit more, then we've got a chance. I think there might be one or two other changes. I think Stones might come back in for Laporte. Obviously, he's suspended for the league games, but he might play him on uh, Wednesday night, I would have thought. Of that. And one of the one other change he'll probably make is Rodri for Fernandinho uh, in, in, in that central midfield role, but the rest should stay. I, I'll go with Bernardo for Sterling as well. And uh, what about, finally then... Um, I want to just talk briefly about this social media boycott as well and your your thoughts about that. Um, John, um, being the, the broadcaster and journalist of, that, that you are, I mean, you must have a view on this. Is this going to have an impact? Is it the right way of tackling this huge issue? I, I think it's a gesture in the right direction. I, I welcome it. Uh, I, I've never, ever understood, because I'm technically, I may be a journalist, but technically speaking, I'm I'm an absolute dinosaur, so I've never fully understood all these new new mechanisms, these newfangled mechanisms, but I've never for the life of me understood why these people are so damn clever that they can create all these systems, can't stop out and can't block more, more frequently, at least, uh, com- racist comments by people and abusive comments by people, event comments that could in fact incite racial hatred, could incite uh, all, all, all kinds of social problems. I've never understood that. So I, I applaud those behind it for taking a stance like this. It's been led again by the players, people like Ryan Sterling, you know, more than perhaps more than anyone else, and hats off to them for doing that because there's no one in the world, no matter what their ethnic background, no matter where they, where they come from, uh, deserves that kind of treatment. And, it, it, and I think it's, it has a, a terrible, terrible impact on society and people's thinking it draws out of society the very worst of those amongst us who've been you know, living under stones for the last 15, 20 years, too scared to express their opinions, but now large under pseudonyms think they can. And I think, I think, so I think a boycott of all that will at least remind them that you know, there are certain sanctions available to us to, to at least minimise their impact. Stato, is this the right thing to do? Is it going to work? Is it going to have an impact? Whether it works or not, I'm not sure because I'm not in. Uh, I'm not a media expert. It's po- it probably is the right thing to do. Something needs to be done to stop this racist and uh, all forms of abuse that goes on on social media. It's just despicable, um, and these big tech firms need to do more to stamp it out. If this helps them to see that they've got to stamp it out, great. I don't know whether it will or not. I just I just don't know. I think. Maybe what needs to happen is people like us uh, need to have a, a three-day out of social media as well. So that the whole of society that really doesn't like what goes on on social media says, right, from Friday evening, I think it's at 23.59 on Friday evening, through to Monday, we just don't go on social media. I can avoid Twitter. I could avoid, I don't do Facebook, but I could avoid all these things quite easily for three days. Why don't they try and extend it to the, the rest of us? and all participate in it, that would hit them, the social media companies, even more. I think from listening to a number of reports, I think that is the plan. I think it's being led by a number of the sort of footballing authorities, you know, and they are encouraging others. Kick it out, for example, I heard they are encouraging others like yourself who, who dabble in these things to, to also do the same thing. That's my understanding, Stephen. I think, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really good to raise awareness of of the issue because it's as john said it's shocking that anybody has to receive that level of kind of hatred or vitriol or whatever you call it 
I, I, I think it, it needs to go deeper. A three-day boycott is a start because, as I said, it raises awareness. But all that effectively does is stop you seeing the racist abuse. It doesn't stop the abuse happening. Um, it just it limits kind of who who that's then visible to. It probably has to go a lot deeper in terms of education and and kind of whether it's a program into schools or or adults. But just because you don't see somebody's racism or racist comments doesn't mean it's not there, doesn't mean it's not there in person, doesn't mean they're not posting it. So actually, if you want to eradicate those beliefs and those opinions, it has to go deeper. But obviously, that's a an almost impossible thing to change overnight, and that will take years and years, just like you know, the Black Lives Matter movement has been a, raised awareness initially, but it will take a lot, lot, a lot longer, I reckon, for the impact to actually be seen on a practical level. This is the start of of that conversation and maybe social media companies they probably can do more but in and of themselves they cannot change people's opinions they're just a vehicle for for racists to put their comments out there uh, listen um thank you very much for for a good debate and, and, and thank you for that before we go we, we came into this conversation buoyant uh, another another piece of silverware uh, another league cup um, feeling very positive about Wednesday. When we come back next week, whoever the guest may be, um, just finally from each of you, we'll have we will have played uh, Paris Saint Germain in Paris. We'll know the outcome of that, and we potentially could be Premier League champions. So, uh, John, in in terms of next week, your your thoughts in terms of how we'll be sort of Champions League-wise and how we'll be Premier League-wise? I, th- I think we'll be in a very, very confident position in both. I can't say more than that, really. Uh, Liverpool, I, I, I suspect, again, a, a draw at Old Trafford. Uh, it, it is Old Trafford, isn't it? At Liverpool, Liverpool versus United. Uh, I suspect, uh, I think it is. Uh, I suspect a draw at Old Trafford and, and I, as I indicated earlier, a draw at Paris Saint-Germain. So, in the best traditions of our game and in, in particular Manchester City, still a bit of a nail-biter. Okay, Stato, how do you feel? I'm going real bullish on this. Uh, it could go either way, but I'm going City to win three-one in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I just wow. I just real. Uh, it could go completely the other way. Could, you can haul me out next week and say what a load of bollocks, but never mind. Uh, Palace will be a different game of the weekend because we'll have a different team out there almost certainly, and I'll take a draw at Palace because we don't need much more than that. Stephen, finally. Yeah, I don't think we'll beat Palace because um, attention, for obvious reasons, will be elsewhere. I'd take a point, well, not a point, I'd take a draw, sorry, against PSG. Goal-scoring draw, obviously. Um, uh, it could be anything. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 2 or even, to be honest, a 3-2 win for PSG keeps us really in that tie. But 2 all would make it four goals. On that, I have to say thanks to my to all four of us, to my three guests, to John Stapleton, to Stato Paul Denby, and a view from the blue Stephen Allwise. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.